do this really quick. There's also this talkback button where if we ever need to say anything to them during the show, because when they turn off that, they can't hear us. Mm. Um, but obviously, if they need to hear us while a story is going on, we can just press this. Yep. And then they'll be able to hear us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're streaming it, right? Is that my response? No. I say you can't hear you. <laughs> We're streaming this live, right? Good evening and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of USC and Southern California. I'm Jack Waterman. And I'm Nia Harris. We're coming to you live from Studio B and USC's Annenberg Media Center. It's Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. On today's show, Netflix announces its protocol for restricting password sharing. And the Fisher Museum hosts an exhibit on Martin Luther King Jr.'s endeavors in Los Angeles. All that and more from where we are after these new headlines. From Annenberg Radio News, I'm Susan Narenda. According to the Ukrainian Defense Ministry, Russia is planning to attack Ukraine on February 24th. The Ukrainian troops are trying to prepare for the attack by renewing calls for fighter jets with help from Germany, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Today, the Republican-led House of Representatives booted Democrat Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Omar is accused of unfairly criticizing Israel and its effects on U.S. politics. Some called her message anti-Semitic. Omar claims to be targeted by the House Republicans because she is a refugee Muslim woman. 
After the vote, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy denied that today's action was simply political revenge against the Democrats. That's the clear part how it's not tit for tat. We're not removing her from other committees. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. Natural gas bills have been on the rise in California due to low import rates and a drop in temperatures, which have led to higher demand. Today, California state regulators ordered for the climate credits, which usually get issued in April, to get issued immediately. These credits typically lower bills by about $50 per household. In related news, SoCal Gas says they'll make an announcement this week on a significant drop in gas rates. A new affordable housing project, which includes the Costco store, is in talks for development in South Los Angeles. About a quarter of the units would be allocated as affordable housing. The project would include 800 units spanning La Brea Avenue to Coliseum Street. College football's National Signing Day came to a close yesterday. USC added a total of 21 football recruits to its roster for the upcoming season. AP ranks the Trojan recruiting class as 11th in the nation. Among them are five star recruits. Those are some top stories in the news today. What would you do with $700 million? Oh man. Well, if you won the Powerball lottery, you'd be lucky enough to have to make that decision. But don't get too excited. There's about a one in 300 million chance that you'll win. But nevertheless, we asked USC students on campus what they would do with all that money. MJ Newsom reports. In order to win the Powerball jackpot, your ticket must have all six correct numbers. Last night's drawing was the 31st since a ticket with all the right numbers was sold. Computer science major Dennis Wong, sophomore mechanical engineering major Roland Pasquale, and astronautic engineering major Henry Adam all have a similar idea of where they would begin. Um, I would spend it on houses. Second thing, get a house. I would buy probably like an absurd number of houses. Just like so many houses. Wherever houses are cheap, just buy a ton of houses there. While getting a roof over their head might be a good start, where do these three want to settle down? I feel like I've heard that houses are cheap in like Bali and stuff. That would be sick because you could like go there and surf. My house is probably going to be in the Bahamas uh, on an island. I wouldn't know now, maybe with a little research. Maybe, maybe somewhere in California. Speaking of new places, two students... Senior business admin major Jenna Motani and econ major Addison Gregory have adventuresome aspirations. That I would probably travel because I've never really been outside the country. That's a good question. I would travel and I'd probably buy a boat because I've gotten really into sailing lately. So I'd probably buy a boat, like a really nice one, and travel the world. Where do the two want to go? Gregory wants to go to Europe and Motani wants to go tropical. The Netherlands would be cool. Um, France, and then mm, Belgium. Fiji, Tahiti, and Raja Ampat. The Powerball lottery is played in 45 states, including Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. From Annenberg Radio News, I'm MJ Newsom. Netflix has recently announced new efforts to crack down on password sharing among users. What does this mean for college students, and how will this affect the biggest streaming giant? 
Haley Mecklin has more. According to Netflix, users must connect their device to their home Wi-Fi network every 31 days. Failure to meet these new requirements results in accounts being blocked, ultimately preventing users from sharing passwords as well as losing access to their accounts. As the most popular and longest-standing streaming service that originally prided itself on its password-sharing abilities, USC students shared their thoughts on this new strategy. Victor Abumrad, a senior majoring in geodesign, says the changes will affect students who share accounts with their family but don't live in the same location. I know that they're going to do it location-based, and I do not live in the same city or even country as my parents, so that really kind of splits our household in terms of how the location service is being kind of biased because we're still one household even though we don't live in the same place. However, I do understand that it's a business and they do, they gotta do what they gotta do, but it might lead me away from the service, definitely. A boomrat is considering other streaming services for better watch options. I think I'll definitely explore some other options. I think my, my taste for watching content has changed in the last couple of years. And I feel like Netflix isn't providing the kind of content I want. And for the price, I could probably go to other services. Entertainment and technology attorney Jonathan Handel offered his input on the economic standpoint of Netflix password sharing. What Netflix is hoping is that by cutting down on password sharing, but offering a sort of paid sharing alternative, that they'll increase their profits. The share prices for Netflix and other entertainment companies have dropped dramatically And there's an awful lot of concern among companies as to how they can make money off how streaming itself can make money. So I think that's what's motivating this. Similarly, Camila Aristamuno, studying aerospace engineering, shared her thoughts. The shows they have suck, like the audacity. If they had like really good shows that were worth it, I'd be like, you know, okay, like I kind of understand. But like half the shows suck. Well, not half, most. Netflix shows no signs of backing down from their new policy, leaving customers with a choice to make. The password sharing policy goes into effect in March. For Annenberg Media, I'm Hallie Mecklin. The legendary USC-Alabama game in 1970 has been widely credited with ending segregation in Southern college football programs. This Black History Month, we want to showcase a phenomenal performance by USC's own Sam Cunningham that paved the way for desegregation across the league. In this historical flashback, Paige Shea prepared this report on the heralded game. This is correct. Dennis Thurman, the defensive captain out there for Southern California. Jeff Rutledge and Dave Sadler, offensive captains for Alabama. Now Ozzie Newsom has come over to join in the conversation. Even in the early 1970s, many college football teams were still segregated, including the powerhouse Alabama Crimson Tide. However, this took a turn when the USC Trojans, with fullback Sam Cunningham, played the Crimson Tide at Legion Field in Birmingham on September 12, 1970. Rob Parker, sports anchor for 7 Action News and former member of ESPN's First Take program, recalled the impact that the game and Cunningham had on college football. It was huge. I mean, it did change college football. USC had an all-black backfield, and Cunningham was able to excel. Cunningham, nicknamed Bam for his strong running style and playing style, became the unexpected star player of the game with 135 rushing yards and two touchdowns that resulted in the Trojans' 42-21 victory over Alabama. It was Cunningham's first game for the Trojans and was certainly a memorable one. 
Over the years, the game became the subject of legend and hyperbole. A common narrative recounts Alabama's head coach at the time, Bear Bryant, bringing Cunningham into the Crimson Tide's locker room and saying to his team, this is what a football player looks like. Many also claim that the game single-handedly convinced Bryant to recruit black players, but Alabama had already recruited Wilbur Jackson, a black running back, at the time of the game. However, as a freshman, Jackson was not allowed to play and instead watched the game from the stands. Despite this, it is still undoubtedly true that the game brought about change in Southern football integration. And it was one of those moments where I think, uh, you know, the South, Alabama, Bear Bryant, they couldn't deny it anymore. And if they really wanted to compete and win big, they realized that they wouldn't be able to do it until they integrated. So I think it changed a lot uh, in sports. It was a big moment. By 1971, just one year after the Trojans defeated the Crimson Tide in Birmingham, Southern college football powerhouses Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and Mississippi had black football players on their team for the first time. And by 1977, Alabama had 17 black football players on scholarship for the Crimson Tide. It is for this reason that the fabled 1970 USC and Alabama game, for many, draws a before and after line in terms of segregated college football teams in the South. For Annenberg Media, I'm Paige Shea. In one of the remarkable football games of an already remarkable college football season. I'm Nia Harris, and we're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Jack Waterman. It's 11 minutes past the hour. The first black career fair comes to campus, and a conversation with a diplomat on how she got her lucrative career. Stay tuned. USC's Fisher Museum of Art is currently hosting the MLK in Los Angeles exhibition with the USC Center for Black Culture and Student Affairs. The exhibition honors the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and offers an interactive experience. Nicholas Dan prepared this story. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up. From now until March 5th, students and faculty have the opportunity to visit the Martin Luther King Jr. exhibit hosted by the USC Fisher Museum of Art and learn about the legendary civil rights leader's connection to Los Angeles. MLK in Los Angeles is an exhibition organized by the USC Center for Black Culture and Student Affairs. That aims to honor the legacy of the late Martin Luther King Jr. and celebrate the monumental changes he brought towards equality and inclusion. Along the walls, visitors will be able to see historic pictures and inspiring quotes of King, taken and set at memorable points in history, including his 1964 speech at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Other notable additions include painted murals of King and an interactive board that allows guests to write their hopes for the future. Latanya Seal, a USC faculty member who was visiting the exhibit, wrote on the board her beliefs on the next step to get closer to what King envisioned. I wrote on the board today, be the change that you want to see and to keep your dreams alive. Much of what Martin Luther King did, he opened a door for inclusion that we've never seen open before. It was the beginning of something good. Seal went on to mention how minorities still are facing a lot of the same problems today. 
we're still fighting some of the same tragedies and issues that were here many years ago. So as Trojans always say, fight on. So that's what we should continue to do. Other guests, like Francis and Nezi, spoke on what King's dream would be if he was alive today. I think his uh, dream would be inclusion, include everybody. And then we're thankful for him. His legacy still moves on within everybody. Mia Flores, visitor service assistant for the USC Museums, shared her feelings about being able to work the exhibit. I have experienced um, a lot of people coming in and out of this exhibit, and I think it's really interesting to see the diversity of people that come into this exhibit to see what it's all about. It is important for people to come in and learn about his time here, what he had to say and what he did during this time. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. For Annenberg Media, I'm Nicholas Dinn. USC's Black Student Association made history last night in the Tudor Center Ballroom with the first ever USC Black Career Fair. The event was wildly successful with an attendance of close to 400 people. Matt Chen has more on the story. USC's inaugural Black Career Fair took place last night in the heart of campus. Entirely student-driven, this event was a triumph for those involved in its planning. The planning process offered junior Candace House the chance to mix her passions for marketing and building community. House is the co-executive director of the Black Student Assembly, so she took a lead on recruiting top companies. So we really just started cold calling people on LinkedIn, finding who is a USC alumni, reaching out to them, just sending them messages through the free premium, like the free version on LinkedIn. Other marketing efforts were just as creative. Marketing lead Cameron Villafana used multiple platforms to reach as many people as possible. I posted a lot of TikToks, a lot of Instagram, and I sent out, I think, every email for the marketing um, or for the Black Career Fair. So- His counterpart, BSA's programming intern Radia Ajabadi, gave a more revealing insight into Villafana's marketing tactics. Our marketing person for TikTok, Cam, he was so good at everything he did. Just watching him do cartwheels and stuff just to make sure that we were spreading the word, that was just so fun to be part of. This joint marketing effort did its job. The turnout among students and companies was impressive, said House. We had Disney, we had Paramount, we had NFL, McKinsey, Deloitte. Getting these companies to come is one of my biggest accomplishments and the amount of students that we had to come. We had over 550 students registered, which is more than any of our special events that BSA has ever put on. But the lead up to the fair was not without its difficulties. Coming in, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know all the rules that we needed for our board for setup and cleanup. At the end of the day, House and her team's thriftiness paid off. Ajabadi said that students could ask recruiters intimate questions, which normally isn't possible at a traditional career fair. So the biggest thing that we wanted to ensure was that all the students could have at least some type of one-on-one time to actually make connections with professionals that look like them. So, House and her team filled a gap in previous university programming, showing how USC students care for and uplift their community. For Annenberg Media, I'm Matt Chen. We leave you now with a bit of the latest episode of our podcast, Match Volume. Longtime Foreign Service Officer Camille Dawson spoke with Spencer Klein. 
what is a foreign service officer and what is their objective at the end of the day? So that's a hard question to answer because it looks completely different depending on what your specific job assignment is at a given point in time and where you are located. And I have done a variety of work. For example, my first assignment in the Foreign Service, I was in Manila in the Philippines. Uh, And then I also worked in our political section where uh, I was doing work to understand the local domestic politics within the Philippines to inform our own U.S. government interactions. Um, And then I've done you know, all these uh, number of public diplomacy assignments, serving as an embassy spokesperson and running our exchange programs and doing a lot of the work to tell America's story abroad. So those are just some of the kinds of things that you can do in the Foreign Service. And that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Spencer Klein, Jeffrey Lee, Daishalyn Satcher, and Ethan Huang produced today's show. Derek Renfro composed our theme music. Matt Chen runs our soundboard. Our live stream manager is Vanessa Wong. Be sure to check us out on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. I'm Nia Harris. And I'm Jack Waterman. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are. From Where We Are. Also, to watch the rest of our interview with Spencer Klein, check out our podcast, Match Volume, at annenbergmedia.com. See ya.